Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome back to Actualization Station. This is Episode 9, Building Bridges or Deepening Divides. If you like this podcast, do subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and throw down a rating to help the podcast reach more people. Actualization Station is available on Anchor FM, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, as well as all other major podcast apps. Most notably on Anchor FM, you are able to call into any episode to share your own thoughts and questions. Just like traditional radio shows, but with the difference being that you actually have a chance of being heard, and you can call in at any time to any episode of your choosing. And here at Actualization Station, you are invited to be a part of the conversation. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app on your Apple or Android device, find Actualization Station's channel, choose an episode, then click the up arrow to make it full screen. There, you will see a message button. Upon clicking that, all you have to do is hold your phone to your ear to reply to the show. Anchor FM is home to some of the best podcasts and radio shows in the world. Its clean and streamlined interface eases the process of finding and listening, and even creating podcasts of your own, right through your phone, or by uploading your own professionally produced podcast. So, like, subscribe, and rate the show if you appreciate the content here, and consider supporting Actualization Station by sharing a small donation on our Patreon or through the Anchor FM app. Thank you everybody, now for your show. In our last episode, we explored Bruce Lee's way of no way philosophy, and how he ultimately came to it through his reading of Jiddu Krishnamurti, who himself expressed that truth is a pathless land. Lee brought this approach to life into his training, which allowed him to develop his all-encompassing Jeet Kune Do fighting technique. Bruce Lee's groundbreaking approach to fighting in turn helped inspire what we know as mixed martial arts today. Both Bruce Lee and Krishnamurti were in agreement that the most honest and effective ways of being cannot be derived from any one path alone. Both suggested that something more all-inclusive must be practiced, which directly relates to what we will be exploring today. In this episode, we will be opening ourselves up to the consideration of how contentiously held points of view contribute to the increasing polarization of our societies. So, there's probably many of you out there who are noticing the amount of division in the world today. The fanning of flames apparent on mass media news as well as on our social media feeds. Maybe you've been concerned by some of what you've seen as well. I would rather see us building bridges than deepening these divides. So let us explore how we might stand independently and observe as objectively and impartially as we are able both sides of the story and discover what's contributing to this divide. Today we will consider how to achieve understanding of our fellows, even when it's so much easier to go on blaming those we see as on the other side. We will do so cognizant of our past history, conscious of how dark the world can become when we let this sort of disintegration go on too long. Let's take a moment to step back outside of the fray, 
Notice the severe lack of consideration, the appalling lack of meaningful communication, the hatred, blame, the derision, and stubborn disdain, the outright refusal to compromise that is so apparent among the ideologically possessed on both the left and the right of the political spectrum. Let's notice how vicious and how fundamentalist we can become when we are so absolutely certain so unwilling to widen our perspectives and consider each other's points of view. I want to offer this to everyone listening, the contention that discovering what is right is more important than being right. What if we were willing to be wrong long enough to find out what's right together? What if we cared more for discovering what we may agree on than stubbornly holding to our own opinions. Notice how this heightened aggression, this obsessive certainty, and intense casting of blame inevitably leads to violence. Let us notice how the refusal to consider the cracks in our own perspectives and how refusing to engage in constructive dialogue only serves to accelerate the flames that fragment our societies. I pray that we may come to see how this quickness to certainty is disruptive to our inherent capacity for socialization, how it aims us towards the darkest places we can go as a species, places we already went last century, places that were horrific beyond expression. I believe there can be a unifying mission, one that lifts all souls but it will be lost if this rising anger that muddles our capacity for objective thought continues to go unchecked. So let us take a step back, outside the fray, and see it from above, that we may consider the danger of continuing down this road of intense polarization too much longer. There may be a more pragmatic approach to this problem than hatred and blame than the intensifying division that threatens to rip our societies apart. In agreeing to uh, participate in this debate and stand on this side of the argument, I'm fully aware that many people who choose incorrectly, in my view, to to see this issue in terms of left and right, devalued and exploded terms, as I think they are, will believe that I am betraying myself and such causes and values that I have espoused over the years. I've been given huge grief already simply because I'm standing here next to Professor Peterson, which is the very reason that I am standing here in the first place. I'm standing next to someone with whom I have, you know, differences, shall we say, in terms of politics and all kinds of other things, um, precisely because I think all this has got to stop. This rage, resentment, hostility, intolerance. Above all, this um, with us or against us certainty. A grand canyon has opened up in our world. The fissure, the crack, grows wider every day. Neither on each side can hear a word that the other shrieks, and nor do they want to. While these armies and propagandists in the culture wars clash, Down below, in the enormous space between the two sides, the people of the world try to get on with their lives alternately baffled, bored, and betrayed 
by the horrible noises and explosions that echo all around. I think it's time for this toxic, binary, zero-sum madness to stop before we destroy ourselves. Um, still do believe in the sanctity of human relations, of the primacy of the heart and friendship and love and common interest. These are more personal interior beliefs than they are political exterior convictions, more a humanistic version uh, of a religious impulse, I suppose. I trust in humanity. I believe in humanity. I think I do, despite all that has happened in the 40 years of my adulthood. I am soft, and I can easily be swept away by harder hearts and harder intellects. I'm sometimes surprised to be described as an activist, but over time I have energetically involved myself with what you might call causes. I grew up knowing that I was gay. Well, in fact, from the very first I knew I was gay. I remember when I was born looking up and saying, that's the last time I'm going up one of those. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Jewish. I'm Jewish, so I have a natural horror of racism. Uh, um, I naturally, I want racism, misogyny, homophobia, transphobia, xenophobia, bullying, bigotry, intolerance of all human kinds to end. That's surely a given amongst all of us. The question is how such a golden aim is to be achieved. My ultimate objection to political correctness is not that it combines so much of what I have spent a lifetime loathing and opposing, preachiness, with great respect, um, <laughs> piety, uh, self-righteousness, heresy hunting, denunciation, shaming, assertion without evidence, accusation, inquisition, censoring. Uh, that's not why I'm incurring the wrath of my fellow liberals by standing on this side of the house. Um, my real objection is that I don't think political correctness works. I want to achieve, I want to get to the Golden Hill, but I don't think that's the way to get there. Um, I believe one of the greatest human failings is to prefer to be right than to be effective. Um, and, and political correctness is always obsessed with how right it is without thinking of how effective it, it, it might be. I may be wrong. I, I hope to learn this evening. I really do think I may be wrong. I would like this quotation from my hero Bertrand Russell to hover over the evening. One of the painful things about our time is that those who feel certainty are stupid, and those with any imagination and understanding are filled with doubt and indecision. Let doubt prevail. The speech you just heard came from the celebrated writer, comedian, and actor from films such as The Hobbit and V for Vendetta, Stephen Fry, during his opening statement at a recent event hosted in Toronto, Canada, known as the Monk Debates. The Monk Debates acts as an open forum for the discussion of controversial topics in good faith, and this particular debate was an incredibly insightful event as it brought the ugly nature of excessive political correctness and the prejudice it engenders into glaring light. I do have to say... I agree with Stephen Fry. I've never been a fan of the far right, Nazis, fascists, white supremacists, racists. I am disturbed by prejudice of any kind. 
But I'm not a fan of the obsessively certain to the point of being authoritarian, virtue signaling, and overgeneralized misplaced prejudice of the extremist far left either, as it seeks to shout and force its way into the mainstream with increasingly Orwellian thought-control inclinations. I can see the dangers of extremism on both sides of the political aisle. I believe anyone willing to take a step back outside the fray is just as able to recognize the dangers of succumbing to such stubborn certainty. I have been a victim of this myself. So the insight is readily available. It's very easy to go wrong and become deeply entrenched in one's idea of what's right to the point of condemning and closing yourself off from others. I believe that those who champion political correctness today in an effort to defend genuinely good people are overcorrecting to the point of becoming lost to ideology, to groupthink, and as a result are achieving quite the opposite of what they propose to stop. As it has been said, what we give energy to, we create. Another way of saying that is what we resist, persists. And as Fry so clearly points out, the extremist side of the left, rather than being truly considerate and truly virtuous, is feigning virtue instead, championing what seems on the surface righteous, even as they themselves are becoming intolerant and falling victim to discrimination of their own. I regrettably suggest to my fellows who lean left that to hold prejudice of any kind, that is to prejudge anyone according to such general superficial traits as appearance, skin color, or sex, or some hasty misimpression of the belief someone else subscribes to, is to fall victim to the old trap of ideology that has brought us back to war and injustice time and again. This is to say that to judge any individual based on any way that you might superficially group them is to no longer see them as an individual to mischaracterize them. It is to see a fellow human being not according to who they are inside, but according to how they appear from the outside. And isn't that what we're trying to do away with? It doesn't matter what color, sex, creed, or orientation you are. It must be seen as cruel and inhumane to judge anybody according to such general, superficial classifications as skin color, hair color, eye color, religion, orientation, national or political affiliation. To classify someone as this or that merely based on their outside appearance and a shallow impression of the general grouping they appear to belong to is at its very root anti-human it doesn't matter what political persuasion one subscribes to it is not virtuous to see only victims and oppressors 
to judge another only according to whether they lean left or right, are white or black, male or female, religious or not. These are our blind spots and excessive fragmentation and all the horrors that can be done by the ideologically possessed are traps that we as individuals would be wise to avoid. Of course, we need to correct injustices and be mindful of our species past. But to tell any person that they are inherently racist or more privileged based merely off the color of their skin is obscene. This is political correctness gone to the extreme. This is to encourage prejudice all over again. It was the initial thrust that all humans should be afforded equal opportunity. That is correct. And yes, without a doubt, people with light skin in the United States did absolutely horrible things to people with darker skin in the past. And yes, in some places within the U.S., this still goes on. And yes, it was and continues to be primitive of people to behave that way. But are we just going to reverse that prejudice now in our attempts to correct it and be dismissive of the fact that every human culture in history has fallen prey to the horrors of prejudice, has been tribal, has had slaves, has been intolerant and inhumane in their treatment of others who appeared or acted differently. Every culture on this planet has done this regardless of the color of their skin. It is a human problem that must be reckoned with, not one that should be blamed upon just one shade of skin, unless we want to continue going through this vicious cycle of prejudice over and over again. To enact new prejudices is not to go forward, but to descend back to where we've already been. In the past, there have existed laws that granted greater privileges for people of certain attributes, depending on where you were or what religious affiliation, ethnicity, class. But it will never be righteous to turn prejudice back. To be prejudiced is to prejudge whole groups of individuals based off mere outside appearance. It is to discount each individual's myriad differences, personal challenges, and life experiences. The way to allow all to have fair access in life pursuits is not to force equality of outcome, but to allow for equal access to opportunities for all. Let everyone have the opportunity to be considered according to their merits, their ability, their talent, and work ethic. And let's leave this primitive sexism, racism, intolerance, and bigotry, the prejudgment of prejudice, behind. For all of us who make up humanity, regardless of our ethnicity, have ancestors who have been serfs and slaves as well as masters and abusers. All of us have ancestors who have been both victim and oppressor. In the excessively politically charged climate of our day, it may seem inappropriate to say, with my light skin and male configuration, that the way to fix this is not to cast guilt on those who are alive today. 
I say forget your color as the primary determining factor and forget your intolerant tribes. Remember your hearts, for you are earthlings, sons and daughters of stars billions of years old. You are the human race. As extensions of this planet, these stars, this cosmos, we are more intrinsically interconnected than even seems possible. Yet this is our actuality. And we are connected globally now, not only by TV and radio and telephone wire, but with supercomputer smartphones streaming through time and space all the thoughts and information accumulated up to now. And the speed of transmission is almost instantaneous. And the accessibility is increasingly unbelievably widespread. Our cultures are clashing and meshing as we, we have been intermixing for millennia. But now the speed of our intermingling is blinding and still increasing at an exponential rate. We are in a continual process of updating our social conventions and correcting past injustices, availing all peoples equal rights and opportunities every day. So let's not go backwards. Let's stop classifying each other so generally, judging each other according to the mere color, the amount of pigment in somebody's skin, sex, religion, political persuasion, ethnicity, or any other superficial distinction. Let's recognize how endlessly complex we are as human beings and be readily aware that this constant changing and self-updating is in a perpetual state of flux that is unending. We are still growing together. So back out of the fray and look with new eyes. Not all Republicans are the same. Not all Democrats are the same. Not all liberals, conservatives, independents, people of certain levels of skin pigmentation or income, hair color, eye color, religion are not the same. This is too simplistic. It is dehumanizing. And it is insane. There is only one race, and that is the human race. We are all earthlings here. And this is not the time to descend back into hyper-reactionary, judgmental, blameful, bickering, and violently warring tribes. We must commune together on common ground. We must engage in civil debate and seek above all generative dialogue that goes beyond mere blame. We must see through each other's eyes and recall not just how different we are, but how much we are the same. We that are here today must be celebrated and known as individuals, each with our own intricacies, if we are to thrive. To know that we are interconnected is to understand further the meaning of individual, for the root of individual is indivisible, and we are indivisible. So much so, that when we attempt to too grossly divide ourselves, we breed turmoil, sow discord, and endanger whatever balance we are able to maintain. How absolutely imperative it is that we see how indivisible we really are. We are each other, brothers and sisters. We only see through different eyes. But as a race of beings grown out of this fragile world so full of life, 
We share the same mother. We share the same son, the same fathers, the same universal potential to be as one. So I say, if you identify as part of the left and are quick to fall into hatred, name-calling, shit-slinging of any kind, you are not impartial. You are part of the problem and are falling into the trap of mob mentality, into groupthink, ideology of the most dangerous kind. When it's easy to see whole swaths of humanity as stupid, worthless, or any other hastily assumed distinction, how is it not intolerant? I say this to you if you identify with the right and hate all liberals, or left-inclined as well. I don't care how certain you think you are. We need to care less about being right and more about what is right. As Stephen Fry said, what is most effective? So whatever group you subscribe to, let your own heart show. Let your sight not be so narrow. Let it be wide. As wide as the cosmos if you're capable of opening your heart so wide. So wide that it shines nothing less than who you unequivocally are. Regardless of group distinction. So that it shines who you are inside. We are so much more than the color of our hair, our eyes, or skin. There is a reason that Buddhists point out how compassion leads to wisdom and not the other way around. To be unconditional in perception is to be truly considerate of all perspectives one can fathom. To consider more deeply is to literally widen one's awareness. Today, our weapons are too great, and our words travel too far and too fast to be dealt out carelessly. You don't like Trump? Well, not all conservatives or Republicans or fans of his in particular are racists or heartless or dumb, gullible or whatever else you've got. It's wholly unreasonable to paint somebody with so wide a brush. The same must go for those who hold preference for Sanders or Clinton or Obama or anyone else. We are all subject to incredibly sophisticated conditioning machines these days. So what's the point in blaming somebody for being taken with a person you detest or disagree with? It's too simple. None of this is wise. We should not be judged by the groups we trust or appear to be a part of. We should be seen as individuals, first and foremost, always recognized for who we are inside. And no doubt this sounds preachy, but it's too late in history for us to refuse to compromise anymore. All humans deserve a chance to be known for who they are at heart. I don't care which party, race, religion, orientation, nation you belong to. I don't want to rate or prejudge you merely by the group you belong to. I would rather get to know you for all of your complexity. I want to know you for who you are at heart, and most of all, for who you are becoming. I would rather see us building bridges 
been breaking apart along so many ideological lines. I would rather see us building bridges than deepening divides. Today, it concerns me more than I can say to see us fragmenting the way we are. This has happened before. It has led us through civil wars, world wars, cold wars, and to think none of these could happen again seems to me to be dangerously naive. In our quickness to hate, we are not reaching across the aisle, the national boundaries and carelessly drawn cultural lines. In our quickness to blame others for our problems, we are not taking responsibility for the part we play in deepening divides, which is the only part we have the most immediate and direct control over. In the West today, we not only have the hate of extremist ideological right, we have the extremes of the ideological left, the polarizing effects of our idealized attachments that make us dumb and blind to the depths of each other's individual lives. And it's disturbing to see the intensity of it. I used to think that to be far left was to be correct. And while I still admire the humanitarian interests of the left, working to limit oppression and sticking up for the downtrodden and dispossessed, I believe that today, much of the left is no longer as genuine nor sensible and certainly not pragmatic as it used to be. I see the ideological left as polluted by self-righteousness and its own sort of prejudice. It seems that this is the result of a severe overcorrection by what constitutes the most extreme aspects of the left and its attempts to bring about equality. Perhaps it is best to appreciate good interests regardless of political affiliation, regardless of color or sex. For this society that we are a part of is not something separate from us that exists on the outside. We are society. It is each one of us. And thus, we are all responsible for how things play out. The problem is, it's true. You're oppressed, you're oppressed, you're oppressed, you're oppressed. God only knows why. Maybe you're too short or you're not as beautiful as you could be. Or, you know, your, parent, your grandparent was a serf, likely, because almost everybody's grand, great-grandparent was. It's like, you know, and you're not as smart as you could be. And you have a sick relative and you have your own physical problems. And it's like, frankly, you're a mess. And you're oppressed in every possible way, including your ancestry and your biology. And the entire sum of human history has conspired to produce victimized you with all your individual pathological problems. It's like, yes, true. Okay, but the problem is, is that it is true. And so if you take the oppressed, you have to fractionate them and fractionate them. It's like, you're a woman. Yeah, okay, well, I'm a black woman. Well, I'm a black woman who has two children. Well, I'm a black woman who has two children and one of them isn't very healthy. And then... Well, I'm a, I'm a Hispanic woman, and I have a genius son who doesn't have any money so that he can't go to university. And, you know, I had a hell of a time getting across the border. and It was really hard on me to get my citizenship. My husband is an alcoholic brute. It's like, well, yeah, that sucks too. And so, well, so let's, let's, let's fix all your oppressive oppression. 
and we'll take every single thing into account, and then we'll fix yours too. We'll take every single thing into account. It's like, no, you won't, because you can't. You can't. It is technically impossible. First of all, you can't even list all the ways that you're oppressed. Second, how are you going to weight them? Third, who's going to decide? And that's the bloody thing. Who's going to decide? That's the thing. Well, what's the answer in the West? It's like, in free markets, oh yeah, Christ will never be able to solve this problem. No one can solve it. What are we going to do about that? We're going to outsource it to the marketplace. You're going to take your sorry, pathetic being, and you're going to try to offer me something that maybe I want. And I'm going to take my sorry, pathetic being, and I'm going to say, well, all things considered, as well as I can understand them, maybe I could give you this much money, which is actually a promise, for that thing. And you've packed all of your damn oppression into the price. And I've packed all my oppression into the willingness to pay it. And that solution sucks. It's a bad solution. But compared to every other solution, man. And so there, there's a tremendous illogic at the bottom of this. It's like you have to fractionate the oppressed all the way down to the level of the individual. You know, there's a couple of figures who at the mythological roots of our culture. And, you know, people get upset with me because I bring in religious themes, but I understand some things about mythology and religion. It's not an accident that the axiomatic Western individual is someone who was unfairly nailed to a cross and tortured. It's like, yes, right, exactly. So what do you do about that? Well, I thought about that for a long time too. It's like, well, you don't get together in a damn mob because all that does is allow you to be as horrible as you can possibly imagine and suffer from none of the consequences. That's a bad idea. So how about we don't do that? Well, there's a deep idea in the West too. It's like, pick up your damn suffering and bear it and try to be a good person so you don't make it worse. Well, that's a truth, you know. I read a lot about the terrible things that people have done to each other. You just cannot even imagine it. It's so awful. So you don't want to be someone like that. Now, do you have a reason to be? Yes. You have a lots of reasons to be. God, there's reasons to be resentful about your existence. Everyone you know is going to die. You know, you too. And there's going to be a fair bit of pain along the way, and lots of it's going to be unfair. It's like, yeah, no wonder you're resentful. It's like, act it out and see what happens. You make everything you're complaining about infinitely worse. There's this idea that hell is a bottomless pit, and that's because no matter how bad it is, some stupid son of a bitch like you could figure out a way to make it a lot worse. So you think, well, what do you do about that? Well, you accept it. That's what life is like. It's suffering. That's what the religious people have always said. Life is suffering. Yes. Well, who wants to admit that? Well, just think about it. Well, so what do you do in the face of that suffering? Try to reduce it. Start with yourself. What good are you? Get yourself together for Christ's sake so that when your father dies, you're not whining away in a corner and you can help plan the funeral and you can stand up solidly so that people can rely on you. That's better. Don't be a damn victim. Of course you're a victim. Jesus, obviously. Put yourself together.
And then maybe if you put yourself together, you know how to do that. You know what's wrong with you, if you'll admit it. You know there's a few things you could like polish up a little bit that you might even be able to manage in your insufficient present condition. And so you might shine yourself up a little bit and then your eyes will be a little more open. Then you can shine yourself up a little bit more and then maybe you could bring your family together instead of having them be the hateful, spiteful, neurotic, infighting batch that you're like doomed to spend Christmas with. And so then you, maybe you get somewhere that way and your family's sort of functioning and you find out, well, that kind of relieved a little bit of suffering, although it reduced the opportunities for spiteful revenge and that's kind of a pain in the neck. And so then you get your family together a little bit and you're a little clued in then, at least a bit, because you've done something difficult that's actually difficult. You're a little wiser and so then maybe you could put a tentative finger out beyond the family and try to change some little thing without wrecking it. It's like... Our society is complex, and we teach our students that they could just fix it. It's like, go fix a military helicopter and see how far you get with that. It's like, you're going to get to do. You're like a chimp with a wrench. Whack! Oh, look, it's better. It's like, no, it's not better. Things are complicated, and to fix things is really hard. And you have to be like a, a golden tool to fix things, and you're not. So, and that's the other message of the West. It's like, how do you overcome the suffering of, the, of life? And I'm not saying it's only the message of the West. How do you overcome the suffering of life? It's be a better person. That's how you do it. Well, that's hard. It takes responsibility. And I think, you know, if you said to someone, you want to have a meaningful life? Everything you do matters. That's the definition of a meaningful life. But everything you do matters. You're going to have to carry that with you. Or do you want to just forget about the whole meaning thing and then you don't have any responsibility because who the hell cares? And you can wander through life doing whatever you want, gratifying impulsive desires for how useful that's going to be. And you're stuck in meaninglessness, but you don't have any responsibility. Which one do you want? Well, ask yourself, which one are you pursuing? And you'll find very rapidly that it isn't the majority of your soul that's pursuing the whole meaning thing because well, look what you have to do to do that. You have to take on the fact that life is suffering. You have to put yourself together in the face of that. Well, that's hard. Christ, it's amazing people can even do it. I'm stunned every day when I go outside and it isn't a, a riot with everything burning. Because really, God, you talk to people, it's like, I knew this guy, he'd been in a motorcycle accident and it really ruined him and he was like a linesman, you know, working on the power and he was working with someone who had Parkinson's disease and they had complementary inadequacies and so two of them could do the job of one person and so they're out there fixing power lines in the freezing cold despite the fact that one was three quarters wrecked with a motorcycle accident and the other one had Parkinson's, it's like that's how our civilization works, it's like there's all these ruined people out there, they've got problems like you can't believe. Off they go to work and do things they don't even like. And look, the lights are on. My God, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. And we're so ungrateful. College students, postmodern countries, are so ungrateful. You know, they don't know that they're surrounded by just a bloody miracle. It's a miracle that all this stuff works. That all you crazy chimpanzees that don't know each other can sit in the same room for two hours sweltering away without tearing each other apart because that's what chimps do. So, uh, 
Anyways, so what happened? Well, I made some videos and I got to the bottom of some things, at least as far as I can tell, so I told you what the bottom is. And then I got this idea about what you might do about it, which isn't my idea. Like, it's not my idea. It's an old, 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 old idea. It's far older than Christianity. It's old. It's the oldest story of mankind. Get yourself together. Transcend your suffering. See if you can be some kind of hero. Make the suffering in the world less. Well, that's the way forward, as far as I can tell, if there is any way forward. And that's what it looks like to me. So, that's it. And thank you all for joining me on this episode of Actualization Station. I'm thinking of releasing more on this topic, as this was not even half of what I wrote in preparation for this episode, but the production was dragging on, and I've already waited long enough to release this, so I wanted to get it out there for you all. Perhaps I'll do more on this topic. Let me know what you think. And if you have any thoughts or questions, you can call into the show on the Anchor FM app, where you can voice your own thoughts and hear them added to this episode. To do so, just download Anchor on your Apple or Android device, look up Actualization Station Episode 9, and once it's playing, pull it up to make it full screen and click the message button to call in. In fact, you can call into any episode to share your own thoughts, such as Episode 7 Poetry Night, where you can share your own favorite poems and lyrics by yourself or anyone else. Just be sure to include attribution. You can also connect with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I would love to see you subscribe to us on Anchor FM, iTunes, or whatever other podcast app you prefer. Actualization Station Podcast is available on all major platforms. And your subscriptions, ratings, and likes help this podcast rise in the ranks. So a big thanks to anyone for showing their support. And as always, an episode of Actualization Station is right within your reach. Just ask Google or Siri to play the podcast Actualization Station to hear the show at any time. The first song you heard today was Music for No Audience by Acrylic Colors, provided by the people at scene.org and kavi.org. That's K-A-H-V-I dot O-R-G. The next song was Psalms by composer Miguel Johnson, provided by Audio Library. Next, we had Traveler by Livo, also provided by Audio Library, followed by, and I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this correctly, Ununquadium Rarefaction by Acrylic Colors, another piece provided by the Electronic Art Collective at scene.org and kavi.org. Next, we had Better Days by Ben Sound, and finally, Voyage by Lamino, also from Audio Library. If you have music of your own that you would like to hear on the station, feel free to contact me via any of our social media channels or by emailing info at actualizationstation.com. Thank you guys. Talk to you soon. This has been Actualization Station.